All right, welcome back to the Panda Manga Podcast, everybody. Uh, this is podcast number three. The subject is zombie survival. Uh, today in the studio, we have special guests with us from the Zombie Egg website. That's zombie-egg.com. Uh, so we have the 8th Henry. How you doing? <laughs> and the administrator. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. So uh, so tell us a little bit about Zombie Egg. I mean, we've talked about you in a couple of the previous podcasts before. We don't actually know uh, a whole lot about what you guys do there. Well, essentially, uh, we are a zombie survival group that endeavors to educate uh, the general public as to the nature of dealing with the undead and how to safely survive them, and then eventually eradicate them and restructure society in a more favorable light. Right, so you guys have a regular pod, uh, pod not podcast, uh, a regular uh, blog post up there, right? Uh, we did for a time. Uh, we are resuming. Uh, we were down for a while. Uh, had to take a leave of absence from it. Uh, we ran out of funding, essentially. Google pulled its AdSense from us, and uh, yeah, we weren't able to continue. Uh, yeah, that and the laws changing in California, so Amazon you know, wasn't able to uh, basically do business with anybody in the state, so we really had no way of bringing in income to keep the site going. Right, right. Well, uh, hopefully we will see some updates and uh, some excitement back from there, because it was a really great website. I really enjoyed reading through your your. Uh, your your work. So, uh, let's see. So first, a little news. In the news of zombie survival, there is still no current zombie outbreak, despite what Fox News has to say about the matter. <laughs> <laughs> as far as SCB is concerned... Um, That's Swiss Cheese and Bullets. Swiss Cheese and Bullets. Which is a uh, rescue and response team. Yes, the Swiss Cheese and Bullets rescue and response team. Uh, that is the survival group that runs Zombie Egg. Um, we have a number of other headings that we are endeavoring to uh, provide education and uh, defensive tactics for, but predominantly it's zombies. Um, now that actually, a little side note, that is what the Swiss Cheese and Bullets comic book is based on, is yes. the kind of hijinks and the you know assumed and, and, and created fun that will... Uh, will happen when there's no rules and zombies. Yes. The Swiss cheese and bullets comic coming soon to pandamega.com. That's correct, correct. So, uh, among other things, I've begun work on some training manuals, uh, things to give people a, a guideline for how to assume specific responsibilities uh, in a time when there is no longer special aid available, whether that's medical, something as simple as making cooking rations last, uh, how to purify water, things, things of that nature. Things you could find anywhere else, but not often in the area of zombie survival. Right, so I, we were talking earlier uh, before the podcast, and um, Henry had some suggestions for us for a, what he calls a... What, what did you call it again? The bag? Oh, it's a bug-out bag. The bug-out bag. Yeah, so, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the bug-out bag? <clears throat> well, essentially, a bug-out bag is a pack for... Survival in this instance is zombie survival, uh, comprised of all the little knickknacks and things that you'll need last minute. Things that you that would normally be easily overlooked: pack of matches, uh, bottle of water. But essentially, it's it's your grab the bag and get out of dodge pack. Okay, so this is the official Swiss cheese and bullets zombieegg.com zombie-egg.com bug out bag. Welcome to a night. Of total terror. 
<laughs> so in preparation for the night of total terror. <laughs> yes. Uh, essentially, it's just a, uh, you know, whether it's a backpack or a satchel, uh, it's a pre-packed preparation set that you would need. So, yeah, you don't have to worry about what you what you have packed in it. Uh, after the fact, usually you keep an inventory list of what you know what to expect from the pack. Um, and usually, if you're the head of your own little survival group, you'll pack in preparation for your accompanied members. That way, you know you have water, food, uh, survival tools for everyone, not just you know yourself, but of course, failing everything else, you'll at least have extra. They don't make it out. Right, so so what are, what are some specifics that you would have in this pack? Well, I mean, usually, like, maps of a uh, of a planned zombie escape route. Uh, if you it's like evac plans. Right. Evac plans, um, clothing, extra clothing, clothing for warm weather, clothing for cold weather, and any preservable foodstuffs. Uh, and it's important to note that any time that you pack foodstuffs for your survival... <laughs> Pay attention to the expiration dates and con- consume before it comes becomes the uh, the time you'll need it and replace replace same day. <laughs> That's well, really true for canned goods too because yeah. those yeah. dates yeah. they're not messing around with. Yeah, you I mean, don't want to don't want to eat. Yeah, I mean they're always like really far out, but they they're still there. Yeah, you you don't want to open up a can of spaghettios and have it be <laughs> green. And you'll make that noise, too. It's, it's going to be a very shocking sight when you're being chased by zombies thinking you have something refreshing to eat. And that's, oh, botulism. Yeah. Good. That's Woo-hoo. what you need to survive the zombie apocalypse. So, uh, so what's, what specifically are going to be in the bag? You know, you're talking canned goods, things like that. So what kind of food? Uh, usually you'll, want to th- you'll think of things to give you staying power in the initial uh, week of... Zombie survival. So we're talking like snowballs and Twinkies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no. no, but carbs are good. Um, and they have canned bread. It's really popular in England, and for whatever reason, you could get like one brand here. I know. And it's Brian called. Staring at me like what? Oh God, BJ's, right? Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, BJ's canned bread. <laughs> it's actually quite good. It stays very moist, oddly enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. BJ's wow. stays really nice and moist. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a legitimate thing and it would be really helpful, um, because bread is something that's going to, you know, just go bad within the first week. So yeah, bread does not have a long shelf life at all. Yeah. They they do sell like, you can put MREs in it and it was a, what does that stand for? Meals ready to eat. It's uh, they use it in the military, uh, for preparing food for the soldiers while they're out in the field. They, they do last a fair amount of time. Uh, the trouble is they're dehydrated. And yes. you need some means of reconstituting them. Mm. But aside from that, all you really need is some water and a campfire, and you can make that happen. And some, and of, some of those have... things actually have chemical bags where yes. you just add water and automatically heats it. Yeah, wow. they're yeah. awesome. So, like, so how do you deal with something like water? I mean, because you're talking about a bug out bag, water's heavy, and it water takes up a heavy. good amount of space for anything that's really substantial. If you were to carry uh, rice, some some dry rice in your bug out bag, you will want to plan for carrying just enough water. For that rice to be cooked, and possibly two days worth of water. Right. So, like a little meal deal. Basically. Right. I mean, you, the the goal is to to let that stay in your bag for as long as you can, because if you consume it within the first forty eight hours, and you have nothing to replenish it with, you're looking at just a delayed reaction to a big problem. Right. Uh, the the point is to is to give you some alleviation to keep you out of immediate danger. 
if you can't find anything, but to ultimately not rest on your laurels to to look for some sort of source of you know nourishment, some source of uh, survival gear, because in the mad dash the first week, uh, it's going to be just as much people that are contesting for survival resources as there is going to be from the zombies that are attacking you. Right, which is part of the reason why you'd want to have a bug out bag like saved up. Yeah, you know, know? I mean, if, if my in my case I have uh, roughly two and a half bug out bags, one for myself, uh, one for the admin, and you know, the half of the other one is just extra in case anybody else tags along at the end. Right. Um, now, now, how, as far as, like, we're talking resources here, because we haven't got into anything like the defense that you want to want to have in the bag, but specifically in regards to, you know, food, water, that sort of stuff. So, like, how many days' worth of food are you planning on having in the bug-out bag? Uh, re- ideally, you'll want to plan for no more than a week, because you don't want to be a target. Uh, if people know that you have food packed away, you know, take... They're going to try to take it from you. You right. don't want to have to expend a, you know energy, resource, possibly get seriously injured um, just defending your goods. Um, but as well, you'll want to plan for, for having to deal with people in the future after things become more stable. Uh, for example, I don't really smoke at all. Um, I carry a pack of cigars and cigarettes in there for trading reasons. Right, yeah, um, that... So, so kind of like that prison prison logic. You always see in prison yeah. movies that that all of a sudden, you know, things like cigarettes become, you know, like money. Yeah, I mean. Uh, so you're assuming that that's that's the way it would be in that sort of a survival situation as well. When when you get to to reconnect with other human beings and addictions and withdrawals begin to float to the surface, uh, yeah, that'll become a very value, valuable commodity. Also, uh, hard liquor. It's always good to have a bottle of hard liquor liquor for. Uh, for disinfectant, if nothing else. Right, disinfectant. Uh, uh, but then let's, let's be honest, you'll have plenty of reasons to drink in the zombie apocalypse. It's, <laughs> it's not true. like... Yeah. All those pills you could just use Maltov, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, as far as defensive gear, um, it's always important to, to plan ahead with what you're ideally able to use. Um, I'm a bit of a weapon nut. I have a... Mil- no. Yeah. <laughs> really? I have a military-grade machete in the... Uh, in the bug out bag, um, I have a cheap little thing, a thirty-eight Raven Arms pistol. I can't use it without getting a snake bite, but it's not necessarily for me. It's for somebody that'll be traveling with me. Um, <clears throat> the idea is just to 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 stay prepared. Uh, you obviously can't be walking down the street with you know a hundred pounds of weaponry strapped to you, right? Um, and you don't want to have to spend time recovering. You can always come back. You know, when things when the heat has died down, if you're in that much of a uh, contended area, the the idea is that you use uh, the more effective tools, the more immediately necessary tools. Uh, carry those in your pack. Um, like for example, a crowbar uh, is an invaluable tool. Can also be do du- you know dual use as a weapon. Um, it's made of cast iron. Oftentimes, it's stainless nowadays. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, it degrading in time. Uh, it's going to take a lot of abuse. The only real trouble I've noticed, like with crowbars in particular, is that there's not really a good way of holstering them. So you pretty well have to, to resign its use to lay in your duffel bag mm. or something that's long enough to accommodate it. But you can pry open buildings, you know, remove nails uh, and boards. Wang zombies in the head with it. Exactly. And, then, and as far as that goes, you can either use the club end or the hook end. That's really up to you. Discretion, yes. <laughs> um, so I was curious. 
and we've been talking about basic and general guidelines and things like that. Now, um, you know, clearly you have a lot of thought put into this. Clearly you have, uh, you know, a lot of experience in this sort of thing, you know, zombie survival or just survivalism in general. Um, but what if somebody is, is interested in this and feels that, that this is an important thing for them to spend their, you know, spend their money on, uh, but aren't as familiar with the sort of things they need? You know, they couldn't just pop up in a duffel bag, go through their kitchen like you could and be like, well, you know, this this goes in the, the you know, the bug out bag. This doesn't. So, like, are there bags that people can buy, you know, or pre-made bags that maybe you should add a couple extra things, you know, you know, that this specifically cater to a zombie sort of situation? Or just an emergency survival, because there aren't many places that actually cater to the zombie survival emergency. Which we need to change that. Class. We should, like, have, like, we should open, like, a zombie survival shop. <laughs> I agree, but... I would be down for that. Uh, there are a lot of places available that will sell you things like earthquake kits, mm-hmm. um, nuclear fallout kits, you know, like natural disaster kits. They still have fallout kits. They do. Uh, really? They're a bit more uh, rare. Is we don't really have that much to. I don't hate to say. They have the instructions of duck and cover. <laughs> duck and cover. <laughs> kiss your ass goodbye. Get yeah. under the desk. You'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't worry about the lava. But so an earthquake kit. Uh, yeah, an earthquake kit. The really only the difference between a zombie survival kit, earthquake kits, are the weapon you choose to carry with you. Mm. Um, it's important to keep those things in mind. You essentially can plan for most, you know, eventualities by planning for just the first three. You don't have access to friends and family and support. You don't have access to help from the outside by uh, law enforcement or you know, medical teams. And your resources are dwindling, possibly, you know, resources including power, uh, fresh food and water. And we, we've come to rely on these conveniences. And when all of these things are taken from us in one fell swoop, whether or not you have zombies or rioters or... Hungry um, people. Yeah, other hungry people. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that would argue that the, you know, the zombie apocalypse or a zombie, you know, type of problem uh, in particular is silly. You know, and I mean... It, you know, I hate to bring up that sort of perspective, but I think that there are people out there that feel that way. And I, I was having an excellent conversation with a friend of mine the other day um, who does who, – who, who, you know, definitely is, like, interested in preparing for things like that. And he was saying that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a zombie thing, you know. And I'm not going to get into, the, you know, you know, infection versus living dead or whatever, you know. I mean, we could talk about that in another segment. But, um, you know, that, that the, the situation of other people are, are like have, – have this, like – crowd pack mentality and they're willing to come and take things from you and they're freaking hungry you know that could happen in any kind of disaster you know just hungry freaking people i mean there are gonna be people out there that are you know so hungry that they're just like man i'm just gonna i'm just gonna eat you i'm just gonna i'm just gonna eat you you know like i don't even care i mean there's there's been a lot of situations of of cannibalism you know and so, I mean, the legitimacy of this sort of a bug-out bag, and then especially not just with, oh, we're not going to have resources, but, you know, the potential for defending yourself against, like, real violence from people, you know, is, I think, really legitimate on in any way. You know, regardless of how you feel about the zombie thing, it's, it's totally legitimate because, you know, you're going to get hungry people knocking down your door, wanting your stuff, wanting your, your, you know, your meat, your body, you know, depending on how hungry they are. I mean, we know, history te- taught us, people get there. Eventually, you know. Yeah, the the need for survival is a very strong instinct in human beings, and cannibalism is uh is when it's code red, and <laughs> there's really nothing else. Unless you're you know, you're one of those people who takes the, the cannibal perk and follow it every time, like me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying anyone has anything to fear from me. Just keep me well fed. And, you know, you don't have to worry about that. 
So for those of our listeners who are interested in creating a bug out bag, what would you say is the single most important item to have in that? Like if all else fails, if you have to run out and you've got this bag and there's zombies knocking down the door, breaking through your windows, just, you know, just being like, and then, you know, and then so all of a sudden you're just like, oh man, I got to just duck out. You know, what are you going to do? One thing. Well, it's important to keep a Swiss Army knife, um, a roll of cheese, and some bullets. <laughs> that's, that's really all you, you, you need. You need some Swiss cheese and, and bullets, bullets, maybe? Exactly. Is, that, is that what you're saying? Uh, Henry? It, yes. It was Henry, right? Yes. It is the 8th Henry. I am the 8th Henry. Uh, they, no, 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 no. The guy from Tremors, the guy who owned the store. Who like was handing out Swiss cheese and bullets? Was his name Henry? It might have been. I didn't even. I didn't even think about that. That that's a good movie. Anyway, it is a great movie. I, I, you know, and the sequels are also amazing. The sequels are progressively awesome and bad all at once. <laughs> they're pure camp, and I love them. It, it has to be to have that element of charm to it. Yes, it just, really does. Yeah, I mean, Perfect. I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> So I have a question for you. So back in the days when I used to go backpacking in the mountains for like three days or so, I would have to carry uh, like a water filter because I can't carry enough water on me. And so those things are great because come across the river, fill up my canteens again, and off I go. Also, I carried trail mix because that was protein, gave me energy, and some dehydrated fruit. But uh, I actually knew a guy who was like, water filters why would you do that just carry charcoal tablets they do the same thing you just have to deal with the taste is there anything that you would prefer or do you have those sorts of things in your bug out bag i have the means to create a water filtration uh unit okay uh, the idea is that you don't want to be wandering out in the woods i mean it's great to have the experience wander out in the woods and know how to live off the land the trouble is is that if you are forced to continually wander, you are forced to continually deal with right. the elements. Uh, right. You're out there, you're exposed. Uh, and that's not just for zombies, it's for wild animals and for other people who we previously discussed would like to eat your brains. Right, but you know, <laughs> there may be a time when running water no longer works. So. Right, it's important to make to be able to make a still for purifying your own water. Uh, you, can, you can use fire to, uh, to boil after you've purified it. Really all you need is like charcoal, uh, as you mentioned, charcoal tablets. So those are ideal. That's very, yes. that's very short term, very portable. Um, you can use sand, uh, charcoal, and pour, you basically make a still container, uh, layering charcoal yes. and sand, and then you put the water on top of it. When it drips down, you collect it, and then you boil that to make double sure. Uh, that way, there's no sediment, there's no living organisms in there, and then it's just water. Yes. Um, it, it depends on your scale, of course. So, you know, if you're if you're rendezvousing with a large party, you'll want to have a large water purification center. If it's Great. just for you and maybe three to five other people, it doesn't actually need to be that big. Right, well, um, and that's essentially what a bug-out bag is for, is it's right. just for you. Right, but you know, it's, the idea is that if everybody has a bug-out bag, right. you've taken the pressure by you having a bug-out bag off of everybody else having to support you individually. Right, and you know, and like you're saying, and I think one of the, the, the really brilliant things about, as far as, you know, in reference to the water filtration, is that having the components to make water filtration a system of some kind in your bag, instead of just having like a little personal water filter, like you said, if you meet up with other survivors, which, you know, is the way that it's going to be, you know, people are going to break into groups, you know, strength in numbers, all that sort of stuff, you know, there people are going to break into groups, and if there are several people that have components for them, instead of just the individual ones, they may be able to work a way so that they can make a, a a more efficient and larger uh, scale sort of 
filtration system or, you know, are there other things that they could have in the bag, you know, things that you can combine with other people might be something good to think about. That's definitely a good point. One last thing about the bug out bag. We've talked a lot about things you should have in a bug out bag. Now, what are the sort of things that you shouldn't have in a bug out bag? I would not. <laughs> like, like curly irons, <laughs> anything you have to plug in, like. Anything electronic, unless it's battery powered or solar powered. And in the case of battery powered, you need to be at least uh, five to ten uses in the green for having batteries charged and ready to go. Also, just like with the canned foods or the dry packaged foods, um, make sure that you rotate them. Uh, you know, if, if it's getting up towards the, the end of their life cycle uh, for the energy cell, take them out, buy, them, buy the replacements, pack the replacements, use the old ones. So having a bug out bag is... A ongoing process. Yeah, you can't just preparation. I mean, you can't just make it and then throw it in your basement and be like, "Well, if that day ever comes, I'm set." You, you could, but you would be sorely mistaken when that last that day finally comes and you attempt to use something that you critically need, and it is not up to snuff. Okay, so anything with batteries, anything or I mean, anything batteries. electronic, especially I mean, like plug it in, anything that depends on. So, so what, essentially, what you're saying, I mean, what I'm gleaning from that on a, like a larger, um, larger scale, would be that. You don't want to use anything or have anything in the bag that you're planning on depending on that requires society to work. It requires, you know, power, water, um, you know, like, you know, that sort of stuff. You know, Unless, like, like, of course, it's a perpetual motion generator. <laughs> if that is the case, then, well, first off, you're, you're dumb for not just using it in daily life anyway. But, <laughs> but then if you have that, then, yeah, pack that in the, in the bug out bag because, you know, society will form around you. You, you, you with a beacon of lights and, and power and safety. and But aside from that... Yes. Speaking of perpetual motion generators, in my survival kit, because I do not have a full-on bug-out bag, because I figured that, you know, should the zombie apocalypse happen, I'm dead. It's just going to happen. I, yeah, I, I give myself... So you're just going to go out there and become a zombie? Uh, yeah, I have somewhere between, like, three to five-hour lifespan, I'm guessing, and I'm really hoping that the zombie apocalypse is kind of like the one from the LMFO... Uh, Party rock anthem, zombie apocalypse, where they're all just like breakdancing zombies. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, that with the great clothes. Yeah, that's the way. Uh, if if that happens, I'm just gonna be like, okay, I'm gonna go be a zombie. See you guys. But um, one of the things that I carry is actually two of them is flashlights that instead of battery powered, they're actually wind up powered. Are they bulbs? Uh, LED. Yeah. Or, uh, see, then otherwise, I'd suggest carrying uh, in a very safely and securely packaged. Uh, you know, container, the replacement bulbs, because it doesn't do you any good having a renewable energy source that does not produce any light because the bulbs burnt out. That is true. Yeah, so little, little things to consider. You basically need to make sure that any breakable component has at least one replacement among your, your kit and your gear. Right, and LEDs are a good way to go because they, they really are low-wearing. And they're very bright. They're very effective. Very bright. Um, another thing along the same lines as the flashlights is they have wind-up radios that yes. actually... You know, receive all bands. Really? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, even somebody who has like a ham radio broadcasting out, you'll yeah. be able to catch, you know, what they're saying. And that could be really helpful in the case of an apocalypse or any, you know, tragedy like yeah. that. Right. Yeah. It seems, always seems that radio is, is like one of the last things that is still um, still available for us to use, you know, from like as far as like technology, modern technology goes. Well, it know. is fairly, fairly low tech in its application, but it's very high tech uh, so far as it's 
its use. Oh yeah, it's it's wildly useful. I mean, communicating like that over just long, long distances is, is incredibly effective, especially in a situation like that. And I, there are a lot of emergency earthquake kits that carry wind-up shortwave radios. Really? Yeah. Yes. See, so, so again, emergency earthquake kit would be a really good way to go. It's also a good idea, you know, last thing, I'm sure, um, to remember that you'll probably be away from everything that you've ever known for a considerable length of time. Mm-hmm. Um, put a book that you put off reading in there. You know, just a small little thing. Something also, you know, if you have survival guides that you just, oh, I'm sure I'll need this someday. I don't have the time to read it now. Put it in there. I have a U.S. Army manual. I've read it, but it's good to have reference or, God forbid, something happens to me, somebody else has the reference. Boy Scout handbook. <laughs> Correct. Or, you know, pornography. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's definitely useful. Oh, God, is that in the bag? <laughs> it's not in there yet. <laughs> An important recap on the bug out bag. Top five things you'll most essentially need. You'll need a means, <laughs> you'll need a means of lighting, uh, whether it's candles. <laughs> I'm sorry, nobody should have you guys should not have given me the, the soundboard. It's just dangerous. I'm sorry. Oh, over. yes. Okay, He's so. drunk with power! Alright, so the top five things you'll need for your bug out bag. Number five. Five! Is any source of lighting and fire creation. Uh, this includes candles, matches. Uh, obviously, if you have a flashlight, like you mentioned, wind-ups. Um, that's a good method of lighting, but you'll also need some means of starting a fire. Flint and steel. Anything to that effect. Number four is supplies to last you about a week worth of travel, uh, whether it's you know a, a week's worth of water or water purification if you have a, a source of water near your house. Uh, also, any dry goods. Uh, remember to rotate. And three maps. Maps to lead you towards anything that is familiar, safe, or protected. Uh, it's good to coordinate with your fellow survivors a path or a series of alternate paths in order to get to rendezvous points. Uh, it's just a good every every couple of months meet up and roll out the, the collective local maps and say, if this, then this, this is our spot until this happens. That way, if any communications break down, you have a plan. <coughs> a emergency weapon tool. Uh, this includes uh, a Swiss Army knife um, or a small machete or something that will help you get through other obstacles um, also in a crowbar not something that you're going to rely on completely for your survival but uh, it's a means to an end uh, also not a bad idea to have a hammer possibly some nails what? medical supplies uh, this includes bandages uh, salves gauze um, medical tape um, pills, antibiotics, hydrogen peroxide. Uh, that is a must. Any scrapes or cuts uh, in a very dirty world is going to become infected very quickly. Um, hand sanitizer. Okay, so that was the bug out bag tutorial. There you go. Uh, so our friends from zombieegg.com have been able to help us prepare for the zombie apocalypse with a very useful little piece in your tool bag uh, called the bug out bag, which is basically a bag you can just grab and bug out. <laughs> We're going to take a little break. The song today is provided by Airplus Recordings. 
The song is called Move the Boulder by the artist Nest. Nest is from Holland, and this song is available, and or will be available, uh, on the Air Plus single, uh, The Singles, Volume 1, coming out the 20th. You can find uh, Nest's work at soundcloud.com forward slash Nest D-N-B. That's N-E-S-T-D-N-B. I hope you enjoy it. Plus recordings. Again, Nest is from Holland, and you can find his work on soundcloud.com forward slash Nest DNB. N E S T D N B. This and a few other songs from Nest will be available on Airplus Recordings, The Singles, Volume 1, coming out December 20th. Look for it on soundcloud.com forward slash Airplus Recordings. Now we're going to go into our Rants and Raves Zombie Edition. <laughs> So, uh, in our rant and rave sections, we talk about, uh, pick a subject, and then pick something to rant about and something to rave about. Uh, today, our guest, Henry, is going to uh, talk a little bit about uh, a serious problem. He's going to address a serious problem in the zombie world, and that is... Zombie romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> or as they're also known, uh, colloquially... Zom-rom-coms. Whoever thought of that needs to be punched in the face. It actually has Seriously. a name. Like, there's enough of them that, that there's a name for Zom. It has actually become a thing. And it, it, when it, when oh, it was just one or oh. two Should be illegal. freak writers doing this, it was it was acceptable as a uh, avant-garde sort of thing. But now that it's become hip, um, I, I will push these people into a horde of zombies. Just a quick question. How do you feel about the zombie pinup phenomenon? I'm less upset about that, but I am still not that thrilled about it. Zombies do not work that way. Right? <laughs> uh, the, the only exception I'll make for a zombie romantic comedy is uh, the movie Fido. Uh, it's not a romantic comedy, per se. It is more just a 
a new taking on zombies and their role in the society. <laughs> I've uh, seen Fido. It's like a buddy flick, practically. Basically. It's like a boy and his dog. Well, not a boy and his dog movie, <laughs> but like it's like a boy and his dog, like happy Americana story. Right. But, but with zombies. There, there, there's, there's elements of romance between Fido and the mother, and there's obviously elements of romance between the neighbor and his personal zombie young lady. So, so, so for those of, for those of our <sighs> listeners that aren't familiar with this movie, give us a basic premise. Like, what's the what is you know? It's the zombie apocalypse. Essentially, a zombie apocalypse occurs when a meteor lands. Uh, that's a wonderful classic premise. Um, but the dead just don't stay dead anymore, uh, unless of course they've taken damage to the head. Uh, but instead, they found out the way that zombies interpret their instincts to attack humans. And, you know, they, they made a collar that makes them docile. They're not as intelligent. They can perform simple functions. They've become manservants. So they're like, just like zombie slaves. Right. But and they're not hungry for some reason? They, they are. If their collar is malfunctioning, uh, they attack people like normal zombies do. And it's an instantaneous transition from death. Whatever, whatever caused the zombification happens immediately upon death. You know, they, they so does everybody turn to a zombie when they die in this world? Unless you pay a special fee for a special type of funerary service where you're immediately beheaded and you know, your body is cremated and your head is kept separate from your, from your body. And there's a huge corporate racket on the keeping people from being zombies after death. And it plays a big part in the movie. It's very entertaining. Um, <laughs> It's done in kind of a 1950s style. You know, the people have reestablished society. There's the wildlands where the zombies, you know, have been pushed out that they couldn't manage. Uh, but every, the rest of the society operates within this large uh, suburbia, and you know, it's a it's a mark of distinction in class where people have their own private zombie like butlers and such. Uh, and there's you know some. Inappropriate relationships going on uh, with wait wait people so wait wait there's people dating zombies uh, not in the official capacity but but yes and it's it's a oh, uh, that's so wrong it, it, it is but the, the the message of it is more that zombies are people too oh. and, and it's it's Aww. it's a cute thing to see it, zombies also do not work that way uh, <laughs> but, but this is they do it in an artfully uh, well story driven way and it's entertaining uh, I recommend anyone to see the movie Fido. Um, just, just don't take it as, as reference. Just for, don't. Yeah, don't don't use it as reference. There's a few things you could you could take as canon, uh, but but by and large, if it seems far fetched, it's because you know zombies do not work that way. Um, <laughs> so 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 Fido, you're okay with? Uh, I'm okay with Fido, but Fido has towed that that thin line, and I, I, anything that has moved over that line uh, needs to be burnt with fire. Just 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 absolutely just because zombies. Just don't work that way. The zombies do not work that way. <laughs> so, um, so what are you gonna what are you gonna rave about? The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. Now we're talking about the show or the comic here. I am. I like them both, but I'm a bigger fan of the comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the comic's pacing is a bit better. It doesn't. It doesn't ramble on. Um, I feel that it, it allows certain characters to live just long enough for you to either like them or hate them, and then just kills them before <laughs> anything else happens. It doesn't. You know, that it doesn't keep repeating the same events. And you're like, oh, that person is just a pile of trash. Oh, wait, no, they're, they're going to be better. No, no, they're still trash. All right, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, not to give away anyone, anything to anyone who hasn't seen it, but, you know, it's just, you know, when, you, when you see certain people do certain things, you 
that, that that's who they are. That's who they are. <laughs> they don't change. They don't get better. And I mean, you know, to to some extent, even even during the later episode, you know, uh, series of the uh, comic, you know, I, I could summarize. I think it was like book number eleven or twelve with just one phrase, and that phrase is, "Damn it, Rick." Just, <laughs> but it's it's good. It's a wonderful ride. Uh, as far as the comics are concerned. So there's been a lot of ramble about the difference between the comics and the show. And, you know, obviously you're, you've, you've, you've seen, the com- seen the show, read the comics. You know, where, where do you stand with that? I mean, I know you said that you do prefer the comics. Um, you know, and I don't think I agree with you on that. I've read, I've read the comics, I've seen the show, and I definitely prefer the comics. Although I think that there's a, to a certain point, it's because the comics get going a little quicker. And you get into some of the more unique ideas that Kirkman has to offer. I mean, he, he, some of the things that I think are so neat about that series is that I mean, so many zombies, so many zombie movies and zombie, com- zombie comics and, you know, zombie whatever is about the initial like, oh shit, zombies sort of scenario, you know? It's like it's the outbreak that they always show. You know, and then some of them are like way deep into the zombie thing, like what's that one called? Um, Doomsday? something but that was like it was practically not about zombies that movie you know but the thing about about the walking dead that i think is so interesting is that it is very much about like dealing with post-apocalyptic survivalist survivor groups people turning against each other and zombies and it's it's like but it's deep into a zombie apocalypse i mean it starts months months or a year in. i mean like how long is hmm? it's like it's like he was in a coma for almost six months there you go so so, i mean six months in i mean six months it skips over a lot of the uh the repeated bullshit it it skips over the oh shit zombies they've already used up everything in their bug out bag well and and the thing (laughs) is, is i remember kirkman saying in an interview that with a lot of the great zombie movies where they end is where he's interested in seeing where it goes, where yeah. the characters go. And that's why he started writing The Walking Dead was to explore that side because the movies just tend not to. It's pretty true. that Pretty much anything that addresses the zombie you know, story or mythos or whatever starts right away, right at the outbreak. And like I said before, Kirkman just does a beautiful job at being incredibly creative and posing some interesting ideas and challenges that people are going to come up, uh, come up against. Um, you know, I myself am, am working on um, a, uh, a writing a, a zombie story that, that is a long ways out. Sorry, guys. It's a long ways out. It's in its baby stages. But, uh, again, my interest level is so much higher the deeper in. Because, I mean, come on. Let's be honest here. You know, you were talking about, you know, zombies don't work that way, right? Zombies, how do they work, Henry? Like, how, what do they do? Well, predominantly, zombies operate under the... Uh diseased capacity of like a thing, thing like a cripple or possibly somebody who is slightly mentally disturbed uh, they don't process things that uh, they, they draw in with their senses as well they don't usually move that fast I mean depending on what so they're slow lumbering stupid and hungry correct okay, they're, so they're that, there's not instincts. a lot of variance there you know if you've got hordes of people that are slow lumbering stupid and hungry I mean we've pretty much seen everything there is to do when it like regarding what you're going to do about that situation right away you know the zombie problem I mean, yeah they have fast zombies and this zombies and that zombies or whatever but you know essentially the slow moving stupid crippled zombies that are just hungry you know they are what they are what's dynamic and interesting and unique is putting people under the pressure of being in this kind of horrible situation of having to survive and having to work together. I mean, like you were saying, the, the later stuff of, of 
of Kirkman's Walking Dead. You know, damn you, Rick. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's the people that make it interesting. It's not, oh man, it's violent, it's zombies, it's scary, it's, you know, surprise. Like, that wears... That, that becomes uninteresting and tired in a hurry. And what becomes really interesting, what really has the long-term ability to hold your attention is the drama between the people. And I don't mean like he said, she said garbage. I mean like, I want his food. How much of a human am I willing to stay to survive? You know, like, w- am I willing to be like, you know what? It's him or me. You know, I'm just going to kill this guy because I'm hungry. You know, or are you going to be like, no, I'm a person, I'm a human being, I'm not going to act that way, I will not be won over by this situation. And that battle that happens between everybody, and then the battle between people that are still trying to hold on to their humanity, and people that have just lost it, and are just like raiders. You know, that, I think, is really where the, the, the interesting level of it is. And, and, then, and then at that point, zombies become less of a you know, main fixture, and become more of like the local wildlife. <laughs> yeah, another thing that I think is really interesting about this series that, you know, is completely different from everybody else's is Rick's son. This kid is like, what, 10 years old? He's literally growing up in the apocalypse. He's not going to have a lot of memories about the way that the world was before. So he's literally the next generation growing up in the chaos that the zombies have presented. And and you start noticing in some of the later issues and, um, you know, the series obviously hasn't caught in there yet, but the way he starts thinking is fundamentally different from, you know, the adults, and it's frightening, just the way that, you know, people are going to have to survive. I mean, it's not to say that he's deranged. He's actually very well adjusted oh, yeah, to but... the world because he's young and he's being impressed upon by the circumstances. Right, but he's surrounded by people who did not live and grow up in that world, and his, his system of, of how to survive and what's important and what your values are and how you, how you interact with other people and, and address different situations is dramatically going to be different. He's living with people who, who grew up in suburbia and you know, had that kind of wool, you know, warm, woolly blanket pulled over their eyes of, oh, you're, you're safe. The cops will take care of you. You don't have to be able to defend yourself. Oh, the, you know, there'll be always food in the grocery store. You don't have to know how to grow things. You know, oh, you, know, you can just drive a car somewhere. You don't have to be strong to be able to walk miles and miles. I mean, it's a completely different world that he lives in. And those, those people, you know, I mean, it's, that's part of the drama is them like going like, oh, wow, maybe I, I have to be able to take care of myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just having a little 10-year-old kid just sitting there staring at his dad saying, you know, people die. Can anybody think of a situation where they were at that age and just, you know, completely okay with that fact? Oh, no. I mean, even, you know, like the first time a kid goes hunting and, you know, seeing somebody else shoot an animal is always, I mean, we can even talk in like literary sense, always a very powerful, moving, dramatic part of the story. And for Rick's son, it's like, yeah, this is his part of life. I mean, he's seen people get eaten in front of him. Yeah, and you know, not going into you know ruining and ruining anything. The stuff that he has personally done is, whoa. You know, um, I think if I was in his situation, let alone you know during that time in my life, I, it would have been mentally broken. You know, the fact that he's adapted to that and is still a functioning human being in at least some sense. So moving forward, he really becomes a, a an interesting centerpiece in the story. Something. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I've actually gotten the impression that they're gearing up towards him becoming this, the pivotal character. Him becoming like the new Rick. Right, because Rick has been, yeah, I don't want to ruin anything, he's been stepping away from that role of uh, authority, authority uh, tribe leader. Uh, of course, you know his son's too young to do anything, but Rick's facilities are beginning to slip mm. because he was the law uh, in the main society and 
he's had to do things that are fundamentally against what he stood for. Right. He's dealing with a lot of, you know, strife, a lot and of breaking oaths and things like that. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about the comic, uh, and you know, we mentioned earlier we wanted to discuss more about the show. Uh, one of the things I've enjoyed about the show is that it's actually presented to me in a bit more of a tangible format. Things that I actually have overlooked um, in terms of its, you know, preparation, its your your necessary survival means, um, and just how people react to it. Seeing another human being react to certain things in flesh uh, is a bit different, a bit more real than seeing it on black and white paper. Uh, I was I thought that was that was an interesting perspective, at least as far as the producers in that show went. It definitely has a lot of elements that bring aspects of the comic to life that maybe were just kind of spooky uh, and turns them into something that's really chilling. I know it's just like a really small thing, but the scene where Rick is leaving the hospital for the first time and he's going down the stairs and he only has the matches. Now, this is in the first episode, so hopefully everybody's at least seen that. Nothing happens in that scene, but just lighting the matches, knowing what's going on, because, you know, he's already seen the zombies, is terrifying yeah absolutely and you know that opens up into you know entering the world that's kind of the transition stage you know, going to the darkness into the light of this new horrible world i think that was just so awesome and it translated so well and kind of along that same line one thing that i really love about this series is that the zombies aren't cg they actually went old school, they used old makeup techniques, and it looks amazing. I love that they're real people under there. It adds so much, especially in this day and age. And it's kind of funny, I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot here saying, you know. Right, you know, those of you that, I mean, you know, nobody probably knows this, but uh, we're going to have the admin on uh, later episodes, especially with uh, video games, because she is a professional in the, you know, game art and design world. And so it's it's I'm kind of over here grinning because she's talking about well I'm so I'm so impressed that they're not using CG and not hiring people like me. Yeah, I know it, it, it's totally backwards. It's like yeah, I'm really glad that I'm not getting a job. No, but there is something so important about having the human factor in horror films. Um, now don't get me wrong, I love CG. I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't. But there needs to be a soul behind the monsters. I always felt that was so important. Um, that's one of the reasons why I love the Silent Hill movie so much, is because they used real people under those creepy monsters, and that's what made it scary. Yeah, those, so, those movies are intense. Yeah, and when I heard that, you know, Walking Dead was going to have real zombies, you know, whoa, real zombies, that, that would be a different show entirely. Reality! <laughs> no, that they had people under the zombie makeup. I was really really thrilled and i already at, at that point knew that this was going to be something special granted the blood effects uh... right, you know, but but i just the... had a horrible horrible thought which was you said you, they use real zombies and you're like reality i just thought you know oh yeah kim and chloe kardashian take on the zombie apocalypse the reality show on e it's called ripped apart <laughs> <laughs> Great, and I would watch it. Yeah, 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 yeah you would. Yeah, yeah, I you would. would. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I remember watching uh, some special on the internet, and it's interesting that you bring up the CG because they they went way out of their way to use real people as much as possible. I think that in and the only times that I can think of where they actually 
talked about using CG was to buff the zombie size. Mm -hmm. Is that anything that's near the camera, anything that you could really see the detail for is a person. And that the farther it gets away or if they're just trying to kind of add mass to like a big pan shot or like a city scene, then yeah, they'll be they'll be CG zombies, but by far and away I mean, dramatically large amounts of, of extras are used for that. I mean, and, and just wild amounts of time and energy go into that kind of detailed... Yeah, and that's I the mean, way it should be. I mean, once again, it, it seems so opposite, you know, in our modern era to say, oh, CG should take a back seat, but it really should. The fact that we have people who are so talented that they can convincingly make you think that somebody's guts just got ripped out and we could physically do that, there's really no need to have it done in CG. It just takes out... I don't know, a living element. It, it, it's strange, but it's dealing with the uncanny valley. No, yeah, I, I just don't think that, that any actor, regardless of their skill level, is going to be able to portray the kind of fear and dread and horror of being surrounded by a bunch of zombies unless they were surrounded by a bunch of people dressed up as zombies that exactly. were convincing. I mean, yeah. I, can, I can only imagine how horribly frightening it would be to just be a, an actor on that damn show. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are times where you're surrounded by people that are convincingly looking like zombies, like under the, the microscope of a, of a camera. Yeah. You know? And they're coming up at you moaning and groaning and reaching at you. It's like, man, I'd be pissing my pants if I was an actor in that show. That's scary stuff, you know? I don't know. I just, I really, I agree with you. It's really, it's definitely an important element. I mean, in the way the re actors react and the way that, you know, that, that they look, you know, it's just, that's definitely the best way to go. Mm -hmm. I was know. just thinking of one thing, though, when you were talking about the real zombies. It just reminded me, just a, on an odd tangent. Um, the latest Resident Evil movie that they're shooting, uh -huh. they actually had um, a scene where they were actually using real people in zombie makeup, mm -hmm. and there was something that happened, like some part of the uh, thing collapsed and a bunch of people were injured. Oh, and the emergency response people actually had a hard time figuring out who was injured and who was not because of all the <laughs> zombie effects and all the wounds and stuff that that's were really on them. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that's terrible, but that's yeah. freaking awesome. <laughs> but that's, again, you know, that kind of goes to show how good makeup is you know yeah. if you're fooling emts you're doing something right yeah yes <laughs> no, very awesome. true um i think one last p point that i'd like to make on the walking dead tv show i know that a lot of people and like we talked about earlier that the comic has a very different pacing and you know kind of intrinsically part of two things having different pacing is that one is simply going to have more information you know i mean yes you can have like the like episodes of powering up Dragon Balls like, you know, uh, like the whole episode is him just, just, just growling. Just, like, just growling and being constipated, you know? <laughs> but 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 really, I mean, obviously the the Walking Dead show is an excellent show, so I mean, there's more content in there. They're not just standing around being like, yep, this is a zombie apocalypse. It's yeah. like, no, but there, there's, there's more things happening. More interactions between characters, more subtle intricacies between um, you know, relationships and drama and like that, and, and, uh, and there's been as there is always an outcry from the fan base, the comic fan base, of like, that wasn't in the comic books, this isn't canon, what's happening here? Bip, 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 bip. You know, and and I read an interview where Kirkman was like, hey, you know, I wanted to be able to put this much information in there, but, you know, the pace at which I release things, well, I don't know, that's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, he, he releases things really slow, guys, I'm sorry. I mean, like, those of us that are fans... 
of the comic book know that it just took forever between the different segments and you know it'll leave you wanting more and wanting to know what happens next and it's really riveting and, and it was always like come on come on with the next comic book ah! and he has the worst cliffhangers too yes <laughs> so. yes yes what is it like we were talking earlier the, the monthlies come out every six months yeah it's, it's kind of ridiculous <laughs> in that way yeah, but, back, but back to the point um, the comic books came out more uh, more irregularly and uh, they just didn't have he felt he didn't have the time uh, to put all the information he wanted to in there. And so he felt that the opportunity to kind of tweak things and add information and add you know, developments between the characters and little side stories and things like that to, to, to improve our understanding of the characters and their motivations and everything, he felt that the TV was an opportunity to do that, the television show was an opportunity to do that. And, and it was really interesting, I found, that he said that because people are always complaining about in every medium, if there's ever two versions of something and they move it to a movie or they move it to a something else like that, there's always complaints about it. It's just too different from the original one or things like that. And it was really neat to be for him to come out and just be like, just squish it. Just be like, yeah, no, this is what I want. Shut up and watch it. And I think in this circumstance also, you know, at least for the fans, the changes are coming from the creator. Yeah. This isn't a situation where it's like a more story, like Watchmen or V where, you know, some producer somewhere, somebody's going in and it's like, oh, we'll make these changes. And meanwhile, Moore is off in the forest in England going, damn you! Like, yeah, <laughs> you know what, what this movie needs? A giant mechanical spider in the third act. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, at the very least, yes, there are changes between the comic and the series, but they're coming from the dude who thought of it in the first place. Well, even so, I mean, I'm, I happen to be, at least in some measure, one of those pissy fans. Um... I did not care for how he's portraying Andrea, and uh, in the show, in the show, okay, uh, because in the in the comics, uh, she had a, a small bout with her uh, inadequacies, her depressions, and and she recovered fairly quickly from that in, in a very survivalism uh, capacity. You know, she she learned that she was very capable as a shot, and then she moves on from there. And she's a interesting, dynamic, powerful female character, and and she's very well written. But as far as the show is concerned, she um, she's an awful, awful bitch. Uh, <laughs> How I, do you really feel? <laughs> I, I, I usually don't sugarcoat my words, and I, I did actually sugarcoat just then. Uh, I, I don't care for. For the way she is, and in there the goes show. our female audience. Right now, do you, no, yeah, right. I hate. No, she, do, do you dislike the actress's portrayal, or do you like? Do you dislike like the way that they're having her come off this deep into the story? The way that they're having her come off this deep into the story, it seems like she should have gotten over her issues. Just build a bridge and get away. Right. By the time that she reached the farm in the show, she should have been just adjusted because they've spent too much time together. They spent too much time over all these trials and tribulations. She should have been. She she still seems like she's an outsider. I would argue that she has gotten a lot better, and I think that she, she has. She doesn't want to kill herself, but they. they right, but still there's a there's a that. there was a marked difference on the episode with her. Uh, I think the change happened when she went out with Shane, and he was teaching her how to shoot, and he you know was pushing her and pushing her, and she kind of broke down, and he's like, no, this is the way it is, and then like offered her, and really risking his own neck, offered her an opportunity to go with him out looking, um, for the little girl, and. There was this this like switch that flipped in her in that moment. I don't want to give away any of the story for anybody who hasn't seen this 
Again, we recommend you go check it out. It's totally entertaining. You can watch season one on Netflix Instant. Yes, actually, right now you can you can watch. I mean, at the at the at the recording of this, you can watch uh, the whole first season on Netflix Instant Q, and uh, and the other stuff is on the AMC. Mm-hmm. But but I think that there was a big change in her character right then. Now, also to draw back to the comic book, um, granted, yes, in the series, a lot of stuff has happened already, but if we roll it back. Where her change happens in the comic is actually a while off. Um, once again, I, I'm trying to, you know, avoid ruining anything. But I think her change really happened a little bit later on when they're at their next major location. Oh yeah, I understand that. So, I, I was just reviewing I mean, that, but you know, her character is still, you know, quote unquote, young right now. And mm-hmm. on some levels, yeah, I can accept that she would still be upset about the death of her sister. Um, but I completely agree with you. She is way too whiny. I mean, yes, she's relatively young. She's in her early 20s. She's, like she's 20, a college student. She's 23, yeah. I believe. So, I mean, a woman out on her own, the world has ended. But she's not out on her own. She's she's not even... even Not, not to bring in any other future plot points, You know, she has a group of survivors. Every other survivor has at least you know, amalgamated to that unit. She and Shane, for reasons of obvious, obviousness, are, are the only two, like, third wheels. And Shane, because he did something bad, and her, because she just can't seem to wrap her head around right. it. This is her family now. Right. This is, these are people she needs to rely on, and they need to rely on her. And she's still being, like, a little girl about it. Right, but and if you go back into the comics, and I know this is really, really way back. This is probably, like, the second or third volume. It's the third. She, when she's first introduced... She's like a stereotypical college girl. You know, she's wearing her little college sweatshirt. She's like, oh, ha It really feels like she's just, like, one thought process away from planning what bikini she's going to wear on spring break. <laughs> so the fact that she transforms into this kick-ass, really powerful woman is really cool. And I think it's acceptable that that takes a little while. I just wish they and, would tone down the bitch by like 10 points. Okay, that's true. <laughs> and I think part of it, though, you know, is because with season two, they had to cut the budget from what they had on season one. They have to focus more on character drama and slow that stuff down just because they don't have the budget to do everything that they want to do. Which so, is unfortunate, but you're yeah. completely right. Okay, so are we feeling complete about, about the rants and raves section today? I have a couple of things that I want to ask the Zombie Egg crew while they are here, since they are our resident zombie experts. Now, I'm not sure if you have heard about this, but they are planning on adapting Zombieland into a TV series. Funny thing is, is that Zombieland was originally pitched as a TV series. <laughs> really? And yes, it was originally pitched as a TV series, and they're like, no, we're not going to make a TV series about zombies. You're nuts. That's never going to work. And so they made it into a movie. Um, then so, The Walking Dead comes along and he's like, and, guess and what? Then, yeah, exactly. Zombies are awesome. And same with video games. There's zombies everywhere. So you have... So now they're planning on making... The uh, Zombieland TV show. I want to ask both of you guys, Administrator and Eighth Henry, how do you feel about a the movie Zombieland and the idea of adapting it from a TV show pilot to a movie to back to a TV show? So, just real quick, the um, Brian, I, I I know you don't know this, but I want to put the brakes a little bit on some of what uh, Henry might have to say because. <laughs> in development, 
part of the Swiss Cheese and Bullets comic book series, there's there's a several strip rant about Zombieland that, that illustrates in great detail and humor how he feels. So good to you know. know. So <laughs> I, I'll tell you off mic. Yeah, <laughs> fair yeah, enough. Yeah, but I mean, so you know, throw some things in there, Henry, but don't give it all away. Fair enough. Uh, well, for, as far as the movie goes, the movie was enjoyable. I, I like ninety percent of zombie themed, even though it's a things. zombie rom com. It's it's not a zombie rom com because true. they're not romantically involved with the zombies. That's where it becomes. Oh, is that what that zombie rom com? Wow. Zombie rom com is more uh, punctuated by the thought of two zombies falling in love with each other. But it, I also draw a line at the you know inter uh, life and deathers. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, it says in the Bible, it says, "Till death do we part." No, I'm just kidding. I don't really care. Uh, but as far so, as that goes, so you, but you did like it. I did enjoy the movie. I had some flagrant issues, you know, that came up. And I'm like, uh, this. I just could not get past. Uh, there's probably five of them that really just just got in good with me. But uh, and since you're gonna be having that in the Swiss Cheese and Bullets comic again, that you'll soon be finding on PandaManga.com. Right. Yeah. Hint, hint. Plug, plug. Shameless. Right. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Don't, don't mean to don't mean to cut your question short there, Brian. I just. But yeah. No. It's good because I didn't know that. So we will save that for the comic strip when that comes out. We will tell you. Um, and so, uh, but how? So you did have some issues with it. So how will you feel about it being coming a TV show? If that goes uh, through. Honestly, so long as they, they can keep either the cast or the premise going. <laughs> okay. No, they won't keep um, the cast. Uh, but yeah, as long as they can keep something, uh, an element of the movie alive, uh, that would be, you know, permissible. I have no problem with more people, because more more zombie mediums means more zombie fans. Uh, one of my coworkers has been watching the, the Walking Dead show. I told him I had the, the books... And he has been borrowing them from me and plowing through them at a phenomenal rate. And it sounds like he may actually uh, sign up with the zombie team pretty soon. So, Great. you know, that just segues in well into my chosen field. Um, I have no problem with that so long as people aren't fantasizing zombie romantic comedy style things. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, Fair enough. So what is the intent with this? Are they going to kind of expand upon what happened in the movie, or are they going to turn what happened in the movie into the series? There hasn't been really much in the way of information about that. There's just, they're in talks with the creators to make a Zombieland TV show, which, like I said, was the original premise of it until they said that wouldn't work. Um, so I don't know what all entails, how the plot's going to go, what they're going to do with it. I don't think that information is out there yet. I might be wrong. It's never happened before, but there's a first time for everything. So so I can't give you that information right now. Well, I think there's like plenty of opportunity for that to be a lot of fun. You know, maybe taking more advantage of the rules. Yes. You know, maybe a rule every making, episode. Making more rules or having like a few a season. The Just rules, the hearing rules is all brilliant. of them. Yeah, I really Just love like that humor, aspect. humor writing perspective. I would also love like brilliant. a random cameo, like all on Muppet styles. It's like, oh, and here, there's David Hasselhoff to go back to episode two again. Just because um, of oh, Panda Mega podcast. Um, German zombies love him. Yeah, they they probably do because he's a great German, in particular German. German, yeah, yeah. German Germans love David Hasselhoff. Yes, it's an old uh, Norm Macdonald bit. Yeah. Um, so, 
So I, I could actually have fun with that if there's a random cameo. Not every episode, right. but every now and then you just throw in a random actor who plays himself. That would be a special treat, too. I think yeah. the fans would really, really like that. I um, think it would be excellent if they were to somehow wrangle Max Brooks, uh, lord and savior of all zombie survivalists, <laughs> onto, uh, onto that show. Cool. I'd be more than happy with that. That is great. Also, with back to the uh, bug bag. Was it bug, bug bag? out bag? Oh, bug out bag. So when you said put in a book, World War Z, great book to have. World War Z, great entertainment, World, uh, zombie survival guide, absolute must. He made a serious face at the microphone. I did. <laughs> he did. I'm hoping you can feel my communication <laughs> and my stare through my voice aimed at the microphone. I love visual effects in an audio medium. <laughs> I really, I, I think that, I think the biggest takeaway from. From the Zombieland TV show, potentially, you know, in my opinion, is that that is an entertainment sort of thing. And yes, the the Walking Dead is is entertainment, but the Walking Dead, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel like this is much of a limb to go out on. Is easily the most brutally realistic take on zombies in our current pop culture. Definitely, agree. it's incredibly effective. It's incredibly realistic. It's mean. It's harsh. There's really not a lot of humor. Uh, it's just plain riveting. And don't forget, it's a deep emotional human drama. It, it is, and that's that's and, and that's why I think that things like that should really get a lot more face time. There's lots of silly crap out there, you know, and it's and it's all fun, it's all fun and games. But at the end of the day, what what I, I think the reason why zombie survival uh, and zombies in general are, are so popular is that it, it it just it scratches that itch of what if everything just went to hell? How, would I make it? Yeah. You know, there's just something, I mean, it, it hits that same sort of like, you know, same sort of itch as anything apocalyptic, you know, but there's just something deep inside of us, you know, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm just, just me, but I really don't feel that. I don't think that's the case, but I think there's something deep inside of all of us that just kind of wonders like, man, if the world just went to shit, what would I do? Like, would I make it? How long would I last? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and there's just something about that. So, so from that perspective, I think that shows like The Walking Dead and comic books like The Walking Dead um, are brilliant and excellent because it, it not only really creates something dramatic and interesting and engaging, but it also makes you think. I mean, genuinely makes you think. Like, what would I do in that situation? Like, would I have done this or that? Like, those are hard decisions that they're putting these people in the situations of. I mean, it's very uh, well written. Some of them aren't as hard as others. You just have to have certain priorities. Yeah, and not be a bitch. Uh, yeah, if, if, if you're a bitch, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick you off the uh, the walls of the fortified city that I create, and then fortified city you create. I did have an actual rant that I want to go into, um, since we're still in the rants and raves. I did say that. All right, yeah, go for it. Okay, so I'll. <laughs> okay, okay. So I did have one last rant that I wanted to get into while we're in the zombie rants and raves. And that's in zombie movies when you have that one douchebag, or maybe two douchebags, who get bit, they're infected, and they do everything they can to hide the fact from all their other people. It's like, what are you gonna do? You're not going to survive this thing because you're gonna turn into a zombie. Why are you hiding it from them? You, you, 
inevitably what's gonna happen, as it happens in almost every movie, somebody's gonna rely on you and they're gonna turn around and you're gonna be a zombie, you're gonna eat their brains. And it's like, and then there's the fact that you have all these people, sure, they're scared out of their minds. They're surrounded by zombies. And you have that one person in the corner who's sweating and turning pale and moving slowly and looking more and more like a zombie. And you can't figure it out that, hey, maybe there's something wrong with that guy. Now, I want I've already gone on record on this podcast to say that should a zombie outbreak happen, I'm probably only going to last 3 to 5 hours, but I'm telling you right now that if anyone in this room is one of those people who will hide the fact that they are bitten, I am putting a bullet in your head before I go out. That's just how it goes. Uh, you 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 do not deserve to live in a zombie apocalypse if you're going to be that evil. Think about it. Somebody gets into your fortified stronghold that's been bit, doesn't tell, and great, you have a zombie outbreak in your fortress of solitude there. Um, and, <laughs> and and then it's it's just like, seriously, why? No, just do something, tell them you're bit. I know that if I ever got bit and I was with a group, I'm like, okay guys, I'm gonna die because I'm gonna turn into a zombie. You can either A, kill me now, or B, if there's something you want to do, I will run a distraction and get eaten up by the rest of the zombies before I turn into one, and then you can kill me later when I'm a zombie. I don't care, because one way or another, I'm dead. So don't hide it. <laughs> Basically, what that, what that stems from is a, uh, it's a natural human response. And that's one of the reasons why they put it in there, to highlight the fear of alienation. Uh, when somebody realizes they are sick with a, any kind of contaminated plague, they don't want to be outcast, as they know that they would outcast somebody else that they found out had, you know, whether it's, you know, the early, early stages of AIDS, right. uh, where, you know, it first became a, a, a big, you know, newsworthy disease. Yeah, nobody wanted anybody nobody to, wanted anybody to with, big, like, I agree. Subject, and, and even yeah. certain times, ignorant people with cancer, they're like, uh, cancer's not contagious. It's like, you, you jackass, even if it was, you know, why why do you need to act that way? Yeah. Um, but with zombies, it adds a slightly different element or anything that's contagious. Um, I will say for the record, though, that in my compound, people do not enter without full body checks. Uh, that, that is actually a... It's, including it's, including it's, cavity checks, Justin? If you're bitten in a cavity, then, then you have been performing Zomromcom. <laughs> and you deserve to die anyway. You deserve anyway, to die right? anyway, yes. Um, but... It's uh, it's it's a point of fact that people will avoid being set out or singled out in especially situations where the commu- the sense of community is what keeps you sane and alive. Right. Um, they they shouldn't do that. And honestly, I I was I was considering a little bit of merchandising, making a I'm a zombie beacon, <laughs> where you set it on yourself when you know you're gonna die. And you've been bit, but you're trying to get as much stuff done in your in your short time. <laughs> exactly. Right? You activate it. It's a little LED. It's solar powered. Little flashes. Of flashes. And then, yeah. And then after a certain number of minutes to hours, depending on how long you think you have, uh, it starts announcing, "Hey, I'm a zombie. I'm a zombie. Watch out for me. I'm a zombie. I'm blinking. I'm a zombie." <laughs> You know, th- things that affect that way. You know, you don't have to necessarily put down your buddies, but at least then they aren't going to be responsible for attacking you. And on top of that, other zombies will flock to the noise and light. That's true. And so, so you're saying this this zombie beacon is um, something that should be in 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 your uh, bug out bag? Uh, 
Well, it doesn't exist yet. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the <laughs> We're right... We're working on it. Patent pending. Yeah, patent pending. <laughs> I'm trying to find a, uh, a means of, of producing it, and then I will. I intend to sell it at the Zombie Egg site. Uh, but yeah, definitely. If, as soon as that comes out, you, you should all purchase some. And yes, then, I'll, 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 buy, I'll buy from Henry. Excellent. <laughs> Lastly, the 8th Henry has prepared for us a Weapon of the Week review, because we know that you guys are all competing over the... Zombie Kill of the Week. <laughs> so uh, let's turn it over to Henry. What do you got for us today? Well, it is no grand piano dropped from a, uh, a church house roof. Yes. But I have to go with the handy-dandy katana. And I'm not talking about those cheap, you know, shopping network katanas. I'm also not talking about a Hattori Hanzo katana, because let's be realistic here. <laughs> um, there are a handful of, I would say, replica. They aren't really replica. They're functional. Uh, but smiths or smithing companies that create katana for civilian use that are within a price range of 100... Wait, so there's a difference between, like, civilian use and military use katanas? There is. Um, <laughs> are the Japanese, like, military running around with katanas? I well, thought... <laughs> the Japanese military doesn't exist anymore, but... Well, there is that. Aside from that, it, a military use would have more extensive uh, intent, uh, intent to be used in a more extraneous uh, fashion. So, like, more durable? They would be more durable. Mm-hmm. They would actually be more... Uh, more traditionally, more classically forged. Uh, these weapons are folded. Mm. They are not layered. Mm. They do not have different layers of hardness. They are one piece of steel that has been folded and then shaped, of course, to be a katana. Um, no, the, the folded is the military, or the folded would be the fo- folded. I guess military is the wrong term. It would it would be more um, historical. So the, t- the traditional craft is folding, a folding. And layering. And layering. Both. Uh, that's, yeah, that's where they get their shape from. That's, right. that's a whole different discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, JP, the difference between a military grade and a personal grade is that the personal grade, if you know what you're doing, you can cut through a wood post like it's nothing. If you have a military grade, you can cut through a steel post like it's nothing. Oh, I see. All right. Well. Elegantly put. Yes, Thank yes. you. Uh, so you don't need to bother going with the, you know, the military grade purely because it's a matter of economics. Or uh, the Bud K. Yeah, well, don't don't bother with Bud K. I hate to, <laughs> hate to say Bud K, but uh, great for cheap practice weapons. But um, there is a few distributors, uh, Shinwa and Musashi. You can order from their websites, uh, Shinwa and or Musashi dot com. Uh, they sell katana from a range of eighty to two hundred, two hundred fifty dollars. And oh, that's very inexpensive for a good katana. It is. They're they're functional. Um, they're carbon steel, which is. What I recommend, because, yes, you have to oil it after every use, you know, or it'll rust, but it is worth it because carbon steel cuts like nothing else. Uh, stainless steel, it's hard to sharpen, hard to keep sharp. Also, soft, believe it or not. You pay a little bit extra for the not having a rust factor, but, you know, it's, it's well worth the investment to get a carbon steel blade. Uh, it's going to... Just make sure you get a blade cleaning kit. So correct. Uh, no, but now, now, just to clarify, your uh, clean it after every use. Does that mean clean it after every time it tastes blood, or every time you flip it around in the air practicing? Anytime it comes into physical contact with alien matter, um, whether it's, I thought this was about zombies, not it, aliens. It is. I don't mean extraterrestrial or immigrants. I mean die, Grace, die. <laughs> I, I mean anything that's that's physical. Like if you drop it, yeah, you clean it. Right. If, if Drop you, it, touch it. If you touch the blade, yeah, you clean it. Um, so if the blade sees anything, but the, but it sees it anything physical contact other than the sheath, Correct. it needs to be cleaned. Yes, and you know, there there are tutorials to to teach you how to clean weapons. Uh, but 
really, you're pretty well set if you could spray on mineral oil, which is what they would predominantly use. Uh, you can be fancy pants, get something that are infused with essence of clove and have it smell really nice and authentic, but it's really up to your discretion. But a katana, its merits are that it can be used for slashing, for thrusting, and it is an endurable piece of equipment. Uh, you're not going to have to worry about it snapping unless you, for some reason, put torque on it. Um, and you can kick off your weapon, and because of its slanted design, it will withdraw with ease. Um, weapons that are straight or linear are going to have more of a tendency to get stuck because they do not create a deeper cut than they are. Mm. Uh, it's the difference, like, if you look at a, if you're sawing something, saw blades will, will create a, a wide berth because the teeth are, you know, articulated to be alternate. And so you'll have a wider swath from what you're cutting. Granted, I don't recommend using a saw on a zombie as a waste of time. Um, but <laughs> Hold still. <laughs> yeah, but because it, it's tapered, the, the cutting slow edge moving. is, is uh, diamond or triangular-ish. Uh, it widens out. It's easier to withdraw your weapon after a cut. Um, a thrust, it also creates a larger hole because of the bow and the blade. Um, you're not going to have to worry so much about getting stuck on something. And also because uh, a simpleton could cut with a katana. And it's not necessarily true with every other weapon. Hmm. You don't need to have a lot of training in order to make use of it. To make long-term effective use of it, it's always advisable to get some training. But in the initial struggle, I could recommend that with all confidence that it will serve you well or I can scavenge it from your corpse. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh... To quote the movie Feast, uh, there's a, yes, it's a great campy horror movie, unfortunately not a zombie movie, but still a great campy horror movie nonetheless. There's a sequence where a guy is explaining to, I believe, Henry Rollins about his gun, how trustworthy and reliable it is. And then Henry Rollins holds up a blade. I believe in this case it's a machete, not a katana, unfortunately. But he says, you see this? This doesn't run out of bullets. Yeah. Max Brooks made a point in the zombie survival guide. Blades don't need reloading. Yes. It, it is a mantra. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, guns are effective. Guns are noisy. Guns draw other zombies. Guns draw other people. I would save the guns for dealing with other people. People take more, more stock from weaponry uh, that is ballistic than they do from weapons that you have to actually touch the other person to hit. It's true. Okay, so uh, Henry's pick of the week... Is the and with that we're finished for the day. That's all we have for you guys. Again, the song today was from AirPlus Recordings. Uh, the title was "Move the Boulder" by Nest. You can find more from Nest on SoundCloud.com/nestdnb. And uh, just wanted to give a special thanks to the Zombie Hyphen Egg team. <laughs> for coming and uh, blessing us with their presence. Hopefully next time we'll get uh, uh, Mr. Joe Vicious <laughs> and uh, he'll help us out and round out the team a little bit. But uh, again, thanks so much. It's really excellent insight. Um, clearly an area of expertise for you guys. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, excellent. Very good. All right, and uh, so we will catch you guys next time. See you then. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit pandamanga.com for all your indie comics needs. If you have questions or comments on today's show, please visit our forums at forum.pandamanga.com. 
Anyone interested in becoming a contributor with Pandamanga, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. This is the 8th Henry, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>